Podcast. I'm Lauren Tossi. And I'm Ryan Tossi. And you know what else came out in 1999, Lauren? The talented Mr. Ripley. The Phantom Menace. Ten Things I Hate About You. Office Space. Toy Story 2. The Insider. So if you guys can't tell, Ryan, still very upset about the films of 1999 that did not get nominated for Oscars. I'm writing my letter to the ABC network now. (laughs) You let me know how that goes. You waited right outside by the mailbox to wait for that post to come in. So Lauren, all right, so this week we are going to be still talking about the Academy Awards, but we're talking about the 2020 films that have been nominated here in the 93rd Academy Awards. So last week was our history show. And I think we're going to be talking a lot about films, so I think we can, you know, forego the Tossie's takes this week. I agree. Most of this episode is going to be about our takes on all these films. Um, but kind of wrapping up last week's history episode, and, and most notably your history, mm-hmm. one of the nice things we got uh, some feedback was, was a lot of people really liked your passion for the Oscars. Like, they said that really came out. I totally agree. It's why I Aww. love the Oscars. Um, and it was a highlight of the show. Now, there was one story that we missed last week that I think really sums up both your fandom and being a fanatic of the Academy (laughs) Awards. It's a quick little story, but I think it's important. Do you remember a trip to the Grand Canyon with our (laughs) two friends, Holly and Joe? Oh, oh, I do. Do you remember big, at big hole in the, the end of that, that said day, almost killing our tour guide due okay. to the uh, uh, Academy Awards? Here's the thing. He's fine, everyone, <laughs> if you're panicking and thinking, now we're a part of this, we're accomplices to her crime, <laughs> but mainly because they all held me back. So we... <laughs> Um, if you don't know this, so we were in Las Vegas and, you know, staying up very, very late at night. And then we're very early. <laughs> we're very early, depending on how you want to look at it. And then boarded a very early bus to go out to the Grand Canyon because after a night in Vegas, who doesn't want to be in the middle of the desert? So we get on this bus and it's it's quite a few hours to get to the Grand Canyon yeah. from Vegas. And we had this tour guide who I thought would just make like a few like, you know, contextual like kind of like nods of like, oh, here, fun fact about this thing every once in a while on this bus trip. But he talked the entire time. Like, yeah, my man did never. <laughs> shut up, like, the whole ride. And this would be fine if that's what you were there for, but I wanted some peace and quiet, some looking longingly to the desert. Mm-hmm. So at one point, we're in the mi- middle of the desert, and there happened to be, like, a few, like, scant structures, like, kind of look like houses, and then some, like, RVs. Like, in the middle of the desert. And this was on the way home after a very long day in the sun, walking the Grand Canyon. Scooch of sun poisoning. (laughs) Like, so we're we're on our way back. And now, mind you, so the mental preparation of going, he's going to talk the whole way home. There's no way this doesn't happen. (laughs) So we were, now granted, we were in Arizona, but someone had brought up the TV show Breaking Bad. Asking if parts of Breaking Bad had been filmed. Now, we're in Arizona. But had been filmed because the terrain looks similar. And I think it was just someone probably Breaking Bad fan and was like, oh, look, it kind of looks like the sets. So he had to explain. He was like, no. But he's like, but the actor from that, he won the Oscar for best acting in a TV show. And literally, (laughs) I... I both froze and lunged at the same time, like like a cobra who knows they must attack. And the way in which 
you and Holly and Joe all like whipped your heads around. And yeah, you- the best was just seeing Holly and Joe's heads just peek up from over the the chairs and start turning their head back to you. Yeah, and then he just kept going. He's like, "Yeah, Brian Cranston, he won an Oscar," and I'm like. <laughs> No, he didn't. <laughs> I was so angry. I was so angry. I had to just sit there. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And probably like, you know, a, a good portion of our audience right now does not know the difference between <laughs> an Emmy and an Academy Award. But One you know. means something, one doesn't. Oh. oh, that's not true. I don't really mean that. Um, I just obviously have my, my favorites. Yeah, there was a, yeah, that was a very, very funny moment. It was a very tense moment, I think, for all involved. Because <laughs> yes. I think he saw a Murder in my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I looked like a deranged woman. It was the perfect offer to this guy that just never was. I mean, he had a plethora of information. I will give him that. But. Oh, he's an almanac. Like it was incredible. <laughs> like it was incredible. And that comes for me. And if you're sitting there thinking, like Lauren, I've had conversations with you where you have not stopped talking for hours. If I'm criticizing, you have to understand what this was like. Yeah, because last week's episode of our show, I think, was as long as the Academy Award telecast. So if you guys are driving to the Grand Canyon <laughs> and you need accompaniment, last week's episode will certainly help. But yes, I'm and we will get the Academy Awards and the uh, Emmys not confused. We will not get them confused. <laughs> Don't even joke about that. <laughs> but we are here to talk about this year's nominees to offer our predictions uh, for Sunday's telecast, which telecasts on ABC. Um, You know, it's, I'm really excited to talk about these films. I think we've mentioned a few of them in our Tossie takes previously. So you may know that we already have like kind of a few favorites, but so here's how we're going to handle the episode, everyone. We're going to start with best picture. um, And then we're going to work our way through the, like kind of the major categories. Um, I highly encourage you to watch the shorts. Um, you can, you know, there's uh, an app called Shorts TV. Where you can watch this. You can actually support uh, local theaters. Or obviously, we would say support the Frank Banco Whale House Cinemas. Um, you can pay to watch the shorts for them. You can still like stream it from home. The shorts are oftentimes really compelling and interesting stories, up and coming filmmakers, you know, really like, you know, not backed by studios, doing it for the love of the art. But we're going to, you know, because we figure most of you listening have probably only heard of or seen some of the, the films that are nominated for your top categories. We thought it'd be best to kind of handle those categories in our episode today. Yeah, and then we're going to do a big deep dive into film editing and followed yeah. up by uh, Buckle makeup in, guys. and hairstyling. Yeah, it will be 45 minutes on <laughs> its own. Uh, before we start, I think it's uh, fair to say that we, um, something we do at an Oscar bet every year. We do an Oscar bet every year. And so we do a, we fill out a ballot right before that, pro, uh, before the broadcast. And then usually, you know, we have some type of award, you know, for whoever wins. Uh, one year, you know, we've had posters in the past, yep. uh, you know, making dinner. Funko year, Pops. We were just behind on dishes. Somebody had to do the dishes. <laughs> yeah. Like, yes. Like, there were just things like that over the years. But this year, you, the audience, are going to be part of our bet in that... This year's bet will decide what episode nine of our sh- uh, season two will be. Uh, so whoever wins will get to choose what episode nine is, and the other cannot veto it. <laughs> so I just like already know what you're gonna pick, <laughs> and like the audience doesn't, but I know. <laughs> Y'all, it's very important that I win this. <laughs> the smallest bit of power I will take. <laughs> 
Before we get to the individual categories, though, a little note on spoilers. Yeah, so a little housekeeping here just for everybody. These are new films out right now. A lot of people may not have seen them. And what we're going to do, this is going to be a bit of a spoiler light type of um, Mm -hmm. show. And what we mean by that is we're not going to give you away the big endings, any big twists, anything like that. But we are going to talk, you know, in depth sometimes about some of these films. Some things, depending on how fresh people like going into a movie, you may, you know, hear some things that you didn't know or, you know, may not wanted to know. So we just want to kind of give you that heads up, you know, so you know whether you want to hear, you know, this episode. Yeah, so go watch all eight films real, real quick. <laughs> They're up for Best Picture, and then come back. So starting with, we're going to start with the, the biggest category, which is Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Um, so the films nominated this year are The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. Quite an interesting array of storytelling style and content yeah. and subject matter. You know, and this is a funny thing with this category to me. I, I heard just the ringer the other day, if anybody's familiar with that, talking about that they thought it was a down year. And I've been trying to wrestle with that idea if these are best picture type films. And, you know, I think in the end, I want to say yes. All of these films deserve to be in the conversation of nominated for Best Picture. I don't know whoever ends up winning in the end will be this film that, you know, has a Rocky or, you know, even a, you know, Schindler's List, Braveheart type of, you know, memory to it. But it's a it's a good year. It's a really good year. Yeah. I remember you telling me that comment about The Ringer. And, and I love The Ringer podcast, obviously, uh, or their subsidiary podcast as well. Um, but I, no, I couldn't disagree more. Like, I, I think there are a lot of solid films here, a lot of, uh, solid storytelling. I think it's, I think the difference in the pacing of the year is having an effect on people where they're either not as engaged or, um, feel like the race is really divided because the campaigning has been so different. Also, these films were promoted, marketed, and shown in ways in which Oscar films normally wouldn't be. So I think that kind of changes the dynamic of these conversations. But I would make a case that quite a few of the nominees up for Best Picture are Best Pictures any year they come out. And I think a few of them can definitively stand as as classic cinema or cinema that really changed some conversations. Out of these films, do you have... What are the ones that stand out to you? Oh, it's so it's really. Well, let's actually start with this. Do you have any that you don't either think should be in the race, or you would eliminate? Like you know, right off the bat, you don't think it's a best picture. So uh, here, uh, I, I, okay. So let me say this: I enjoy these eight films. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are some to me that are more best picture like than not, and I'm not going by like old Academy definitions because I'll say this. The movie The Trial of the Chicago 7 is 100% a classic Oscar best picture. I mean, like 15 films just like it have won best picture before. Um, it, to me, of the best picture nominees is the one that if I had to like toss one, like mm-hmm. get it down to seven, that'd probably be the one I would kick out. I would say the other one I would kick out if we were doing like our traditional five, like, you know, Academy years past, um, it would be the father. And I loved the father. Um, I think that movie's genius. I think it's edited, edited brilliantly. Um, I think it has a really interesting perspective of how it deals with dementia, um, both haunting and entertaining. It's, it's a really hard movie. I think to even pinpoint like how you feel when you're done with it. Um, but if I was eliminating two, I would eliminate those two from the race. It's understandable. I, I would 
agree with you. I, I think one thing I really love about this year's race is I don't have a film that I dislike, and I think you're kind of saying the same thing. I'd be happy with anybody that won. I know in years past we've had some films, notably Green Book recently, obviously. Sorry, everybody. Um, one year it was Boyhood for you and I, which that was in the talk, yeah, and we, we were very not the same. Like this, isn't, this year is not one of those for me. I'd be happy with any single one of these films. I agree with you. The Trial of Chicago 7... It doesn't feel like, you and I slightly disagree in that, I feel like it's more of an Emmy film. Like, I feel like this would be win, like, a movie, you know, for a miniseries. That's, it's nothing against it, and I'm going to be arguing for it to win another award probably a little bit later in the show, but that would be my only down... And it's note to it. Please understand, it's not a criticism, and I've been having these conversations recently of, like, when you put something up for awards and you naturally have to, you start comparing eight films that are not alike in any way. So then you're comparing things that don't feel like they should be compared. But the problem is, is I'm like, if I'm thinking about the trial of Chicago seven, it's a, it's a good film. It's got really great performances. Um, it's got an amazing script because like lover, like hate Sorkin, like the dude's handling on quick pace dialogue is just, you know, immense and legendary. Um, I feel like you would be great for Sorkin's. Stop it. That's like the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Um, but I honestly, to me, it's one of the mill in terms of directing. And I think that's that's the mark to me against it is I don't feel like it innovates or does anything particularly special. Yeah. Um, but there are definitely films on this list that I do think do very special things. All right. So let's go there. Let's get back to the more positive. The ones that you think, you know, should be. Because I, I, I think maybe you could tell me, do we think that I know there's a front runner. And, and for uh, this. Yes. But I feel like this is a year that's a little more unpredictable in that I don't think it's a lock that we've felt in the year, some years past. To me, in my mind right now, there's a three-way tie. Now, this is personal choice. I'm not necessarily saying who I think will win, but to mm-hmm. me, it's a three-way tie between Judas and the Black Messiah, um, Nomadland, and Promising Young Woman. Um, I, as we'll talk about, I'm sure, throughout this, my... my uh, Affinity, love, passion, fandom for Promising Young Woman is really intense. It is a film that the more I think about it, the more I love it. Um, It's something I would definitively watch again, and I'm not saying it's an easy watch, but I would definitively watch it again and again. Um, I don't think it wins Best Picture. I don't think that happens. If it does, you will not find a happier Lauren on Oscar. All right, maybe, maybe there are other years where I've been even happier about Best Picture, but like, I'd be stoked if it won. Um... You know, I think the thing is, is that when I watch Promising Young Woman and Nomad Land and Judas and the Black Messiah, I can definitively look at each of those films and go, there is something really interesting happening here. There's innovation happening. There are important stories being told. The perspectives on how these stories are being told is not tired. Um, and I think that's the thing why I can kind of point to those three films and go, of merit, deserve to be a best picture because I think they're doing something interesting. I mean, what Chloe Zhao does with Nomadland is intensely innovative. Like just the you know, kind of like cinema verite of like, hey, we're just gonna pop Frances McDormand <laughs> into these like you know these communities and just let her exist and be and roll tape. Like yeah, it's incredible. It, it, she found some strange way to make a documentary and a film blend together and and seamlessly and then just gave you the most americana beautiful landscaping shot film that you could 
you know, imagine. And in a year that I think we probably could use, right? Like a lot of us who are, are, you know, kind of been, you know, stuck in home and and just you're not getting out and being able to travel and to see these beautiful landscapes. Fantastic. Well, yeah, it did. It felt transportive. I think it, you know, it's... It took things that I think are ordinary or kind of like the, you know, the towns that you drive by on the interstate, like that you're not really stopping by, like, or what is the term used to be like, like flyover cities, like, and, and it really highlighted the beauty of those places. You know, the fact that, you know, she captures so many sunrises and sunsets seems like particularly important and significant, because um, I think that's when you can make landscapes shine their best. Um, it's just, it's a beautiful film and it's not, you know, the story itself, um, it's weird if you describe the plot it sounds really simplistic but it is it'll make you be incredibly introspective about what do i what do i want out of my life like you know what do i want in my what do i want this kind of the the spaces i occupy to look like what you know what importance does travel have in my life what importance does feeling self-sufficient being free what does being free really mean like it's it's a really complex argument in a very, very simple storyline. Yeah. I, I mean, and it's funny because you're saying that, and I agree, it's a positive of the film. It, it's what I love about the film. It also could be the one knock on the film to win in the award. It's not the most in-depth story of yeah, these films. You are right. You are right in that um, because it's not... But I don't know. Like, there's something... It, it's so beautifully metaphorical, and I think it's... You can, I think anyone can transplant themselves into that role. Like, I, you and I have talked about this endlessly. Like, if you love the book Wild and you love the book Into yeah. the Wild, you should watch this movie because you're going to get those same yeah. feelings yeah, from it. Definitely. So, what, you know, I'm with you. I think Promising Young Woman is a film I would be shocked to see it win, but I would be hands down right with you clapping. Um, it's a film that has increasingly built up in my, you know, love for it. Um, the more it, it sat with me, it's, you know, and it's funny because I'm going to use the father and promising young woman here in the same, you take two very difficult subject matters and for different reasons can be very triggering subject matters. But what these two films do, as opposed to what films have done in the past that have been nominated, is I feel like they're both rewatchable. They're both films that you can sit in and enjoy while still finding the message and feeling the emotion of the films. And that's something really, you know, quite, you know wonderful about both of these films mm -hmm. and how they're done because sure. um, they're not easy subject matters at all uh promising young woman like i said i mean that is just a phenomenal film and i think that movie where it's challenging is i think you know it plays to audiences differently and i think it's it's a movie that meets you where you are and then tries to push you over the edge yeah. um you know i think because it 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 it, it I think celebrates its kind of discomfort. Like it knows it's pushing you and trying to get you to have like hard conversations. Hard, you know, I think for certain audience members, hard introspective looks, I think for other audience members, kind of a, 
having to recognize something or recognize aspects of, you know, kind of the toxicity of a, a certain type of culture. Like it's, it's a really, it's a challenging film. It's a really, and I hate saying this because it can sound so vapid or so like congratulatory towards a film in, in you know, a non-specific way, but it's an important film. And, and it it, it, yeah, it, it really is. is like, um, yeah. So I, I can't recommend that enough. Now I'll ask you because like, so obviously I took off my two that I did, wouldn't want on there. <laughs> Do you have do you have favorites? Like I, I mean, obviously, promising young woman. I think sat with you in a really interesting way. Um, the father, I know, was pretty challenging. Um, you know, by the end of yeah. it, you kind of just you, you sat there for a while with it. I did. That's um, literal, not figurative. <laughs> I, you know, the father. We talked about this last week. The father is one of these Academy Award films that I would have stayed away from. I'm like, I wouldn't have wanted to watch it. Um, but we wanted to get to all the best pictures, so we sat. I'm really happy I did. Um, it is weirdly suspenseful and and really well done. Um, Anthony Hopkins' performance is outstanding um direct it the, the the music that they use um so i i really appreciate that film a lot i don't think it's the best picture so i agree you know from that standpoint um i think really i would sit the the three i sit on and is nomad land promising young woman and sound of metal oh i didn't see that coming yeah <laughs> And this hurts me because if anybody knows, when we did our year-end review, we put Mank as our favorite film of the uh, as of the year. Yeah, and we haven't even, we talked, haven't even talked about that yet. It's because we had not seen these films yet. Um, you yeah. know, and that's just sometimes how it works out. And this is nothing. I, you know, my love for Fincher, and I want to be sitting here. And I think there's so much merit to that film, and I want everybody to see it. But I, I just think these other three are completely in a different, you know, category and for different, all very different reasons. Sound of Metal was probably my most surprising film of the year. Um, because I just didn't, I thought it was one thing going into it and that film gave me something completely different and it didn't talk down to its audience. It'll, you know, where you had everything didn't have to be force fed to you. It was the way that it was cut, the way that it was, you know, done. I just, this journey of this character that I think in other past films would have been over the top. And that's not what they did with this. Like you just cared about this character. Oh yeah. And and again, a lot of times I think in different films you wouldn't have. And if you don't know much about the sound of metal, it's a film. It's about a, a drummer in a hardcore rock band. I guess would be punk. Um, you know, screamo. Yeah. <laughs> a band, and he's a drummer, and he starts to lose his hearing. And that's not a spoiler. That happens literally at the beginning of the film. Yeah, um, and it's him coming to terms with that and coming to grips with that and him trying to find the journey of understanding what that means for him and what the next steps for him um and it's just outstanding it really is and honestly so you know you were talking about how it doesn't talk down to its audience and i think the important thing to know here is that it is a movie that um makes you have to figure out timeline in terms of how much time has elapsed at certain points in the film so you have to be willing to kind of go 
I don't need to know exactly how long it's been in between these like sections of his journey. Like I just need to experience him in these moments. Like almost like if you think of them as like vignettes of like, this is him at this point of progression. And I know there's some time in between, but I'm not going to be told how much time was in between. So you have to be okay with that. It's very different than something like the father where it's, you know, it's messing with the timeline because they want to kind of, you know, mimic to some degree the experience of having dementia. Whereas this, it's like, no, you just need to meet this character at these different, you know, particular like, um, poignant moments in his journey of like kind of rediscovering himself. I mean, you said it brilliantly. Like it is, it's a great film. And that's like, I don't even like not having it in my top three. because It's so great. (laughs) But I don't think I'll be I don't think it wins. Gosh, so no, no, it's no, not. It it's not going. Not by a long shot. Um, so we have to talk about Minari because yeah, Minari's sure. really got a chance to win this thing. Yeah, hundred percent. And and a lot of it, a lot of the recognition, very deserved. I, I read um, or I heard, I should say, an interesting um, quote about the film. Someone said, "You either love it or you like it," and I thought that was a really interesting. Because <laughs> normally you hear things talked about as like love it or hate it, um, but. So my experience with Minari is, is that I would say until like the third act, I was like in, um, Steven Yeun's performance. And I know we'll talk about this a little bit more later is insanely brilliant. The grandmother figure in this is so electric, so (laughs) electric. Um, but there's, and and I don't want to give anything away, but the problem was there was, there's a moment that happens towards the end of the film and I wanted another like 15 or 20 minutes from the film and it just, and it ended and I still have not been able to reconcile how I feel about that. I know I feel unsatisfied. Um, but that being said, it's a really beautiful family story. It, you know, essentially takes those like, you know, a family kind of, so it's, it takes place in the 1980s. So the, the comment I was going to make is like your typical, like family on the frontier kind of vibe, but it's, it's not that obviously because it takes place in the 1980s, but they're um, a family of immigrants. Um, and they are, so the first generation born in this country are the children who are somewhat the focus of the film, yeah. um, particularly the son. And, um, you know, they decide they want to make a farm and that they are going to grow uh, Korean vegetables like that. That's the idea behind it is that he feels so the father who's played by Steven Yeun, he feels like that there is enough of a Korean population. Steven Yeun of Walking Dead fame. Oh, Walking Dead fame. <laughs> um, he feels like there's enough of a population uh, of Korean immigrants like where they live. Now, they live, they move to Kansas Um and they make the decision that, like, he feels like the cities, like, around Kansas, like, so you're thinking about your southwestern corridor, that there's enough of an interest that he would be able to, like, kind of mass produce and then ship these these vegetables. Um, they had, like, very steady work in San Francisco, and then they moved to do this. And that, like, kind of is the setup yeah, of the I film. I think it was Arkansas. I'm almost positive it's Kansas. So what are your thoughts on Minari? Um, <laughs> you, you did that on purpose, didn't uh-huh. you? Um, I'm torn on this. Um, this is one of those films that happens sometimes where I go, I think... You're right, it's Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone could hear me, I was like, I need to look that up. I think he might actually be right. I was go kind of right. It's Arkansas. Ar- <laughs> I was close enough. Um... I this is one of those films that I think would deserve to win a best picture but it doesn't necessarily it's not necessarily one of my favorites. Um 
it's it's like you said it's a beautifully shot film it's a wonderful story um they don't get trapped in a lot of tropes that i think films like this could. particularly family dramas yeah yeah um you know one thing and this is just a personal thing i don't love films with marital strife um and there's a little bit of that going on in this yeah um, it does make you very so uncomfortable <laughs> And I'm going to say my mean comment, which I feel like you set me up here. What? Um, I think one of the down notes to this film are the child actors. And I hate saying that. I cannot believe you're doing that on the <laughs> podcast. I have to be honest with you. But they're the, the focus of the film. And to me, I don't think I've seen so many fantastic child actors. And this one is one of the down notes. And you and I disagree I about this. I found those two characters to be slightly boring. Well... You and I disagree about this hardly because I don't think the son was, but here's the thing. I will say with the daughter, I felt like they didn't develop her enough. And I thought there were like really interesting things happening with like kind of the push and pull of, you know, so essentially you have in here one parent who was very committed to this farming lifestyle and one parent who was not. And that's where the marital strife comes into play. And they kind of set the children, not in opposition, and I think that would be more the tropey fashion, like, but but there's definitively you can tell that the kids kind of react to things differently in relation to their father. And I felt like they there were these really like kind of interesting moments that were like started with the daughter and then never really came to fruition. Yeah. And I wanted more with it. Um, that being said, like the film is beautifully shot. It's got a really interesting, I don't want to say not cameo, but very like supporting moment from uh, Patton or Will, Will Patton. Patton. I love Will Patton. It's and very, the way Steven Yeun plays off of Will Patton mm. is some of my favorite moments in the film because so Will Patton, so it's Arkansas and Will Patton plays someone who is um, a, like a religious zealot um, and he's like very, very devout and at, like to the point like on Sundays like when they go to church service he like carries a cross up the road like he is he is very very much like a man of faith but in like a really like an over dramatized like fashion like more than more than just religious that's why I'm saying I'm not trying to be negative towards like religion by any means but like he how Stephen Yeun like interacts with him yeah. is phenomenal it's comedic at times but not mean like just there's definitively like a, a divide between how they kind of approach life and how they approach farming. And yeah, it's, it's a very odd couple that really works. Yes, <laughs> because it's interesting when Will Patton shows up, you're not really sure what the purposefulness is of like him being there. Like, because the thing is, is like you get the sense that Stephen Young like has a really good plan and like how he's going to like, you know, kind of like, you know, farm these fields and he has some ideas about how that's going to happen but you realize he like needs that like little bit of extra expertise of someone who's had their hands at this for a while and and, and being in that you know from that land yes yeah. exactly but, like yeah. not knowing like how how to toil the land as well as like well Patton would know who has like obviously grown up here you get the sense that he yeah. has lived there his whole life so it, but it, it's they played off of each other like in very very interesting ways. I almost could have done with if the film had really just focused on their relationship the entire film. I completely agree with well, you. Well, yeah, I know you do. And that's the thing. I think that's the positives to the film. You know, now that we've discovered that I hate children, evidently. Um, I mean, it's really how it's going to sound. Listening. <laughs> you know, the highlights are the the adult actors in that Stephen Young is fantastic. Will Patton is fantastic. Um, and I apologize, her name's escaping me. I know we'll talk about her later. But the woman that played the 
grandmother was phenomenal. Um, and even uh, the woman that played the mother was, or wife, depending on how you want to describe her in the film, she was terrific, I, I thought, yeah. at moments. Um, so, oh, wait, never mind. It'd be a major spoiler. I can't yeah, say there's yeah. a moment <laughs> with her that I, I can't say because it really would spoil some of the film. So I do highly recommend people watching it. Oh, it's a film I think it's important, especially this year, and I think would be really wonderful to, to, to get the Academy Award. And I'll say this, your comment back to Nomadland, Slice of Americana, mm-hmm. this Paris yeah. is, this is 100% a Slice yeah, of definitely. Americana. So now that we've touched on all of the films, what's your pick for Best Picture? To Are win you this asking year? me that's going to win or what I want to win? That's going to win. Let's help our podcast audience on their ballots. I think Nomadland takes it. Really? I do. I disagree. Oh, what do you got? Can I tell you? Yeah. I realized I said that and then I didn't know. (laughs) I just, here's the thing. Can't argue with that. The Academy Award aficionado. (laughs) Airtight logic I'm bringing to this episode. I just want the audience to know this is how I end up actually beating you some years in the Academy Award ballots is because you sometimes pick with your heart. I do. I get too precious about it and I can't see what the clear like. You play to win the game. (laughs) Keep your sports out of my week. Um, I you know I really think there is a good chance for Minari. Um, I think there's also a very good chance for Nomadland. If I had to pick today I'd say probably Nomadland. I mean obviously I would love to see Promising Young Woman or Judas and the Black Messiah win. Um, Actually no I'm sorry I know what film I want to win that wasn't nominated for Best Picture and that's One Night in Miami which got completely hosed this year. Thanks a lot Academy. But that being said I do think Nomadland will probably win. Alright, so we're both agreeing that in the end Nomadland wins. I think we both agree that Minari is the one that may take it you know, if, if there's a secondary. And I think we both agree that we want Promising Young Woman to win. Yeah. If we had to pick. But yes. we're going to be happy with anybody. Yes. Awesome. And part of what informs these decisions, and these are really fun categories to talk about because they can make careers, and they sometimes make the biggest, like, Oscar magic of the night. We're going to talk about the acting categories. Oh, yeah. Um, this here is whew, tough. Um, and I say tough in that I think you and I have had a lot of conversations. We've gone back and forth on a lot of these categories of who we think um, should win or may win. We're going to start with actress in a supporting role. Um, so the following people are nominated um, in this category. I would like to call this category. Category: <laughs> The Fun Grandmas <laughs> Against Each Other <laughs> Award. They're not all great. You know what? Never mind. <laughs> um, so it's uh, Maria Bakalova in Borat's subsequent movie Woo! film, delivery of prodigious bribe to American <laughs> regime for make benefit once glorious nation of Kazakhstan. Uh, Glenn Close in Hillbilly Elegy. Olivia Coleman in The Father. Amanda Seyfried. Go Lehigh Valley in Maine. Um, and Yu Jung Yoon in Minari. Um, which, yeah, there's a lot of... Yeah, this, you know what? There's like, there's only two grandmas in this. I mean, there's two, but they're like the fun grandmas. Yeah, fun um, And that's going to be Glenn Close and Yin Jung Yang. Um, this is a cool category because I think this is the most wide open of all of them. Um, I could see any, almost anybody winning this category. So I'll ask you. Because considering um, Jodie Foster won the Golden Globe for this category and it's not even nominated. Yeah, and, and the person who won... <laughs> for comedy is Maria Bakalova. So there is a hot chance <laughs> that Maria Bakalova has reason to think she might take home an Oscar for Borat's subsequent movie film. I would just like to point out before we get to it, 
What did I tell you the morning after we watched Borat 2? You said she should be nominated for an Academy Award. <laughs> and you laughed at me. <laughs> yeah. I got fawed. <laughs> I hit my knee. I thought, what a fool. <sighs> she was so good. She is. In and, a weird movie. In a weird movie. And the thing is, is if you know about the history of the Oscars, you know comedic performances are too far between not recognized in any like you know significant way it's often a surprise when they're nominated yeah um you know in any capacity um so this being we'll say in, that unfortunately the supporting role seems to be when it does get put in there yeah i think it's because everyone feels like it's like the safe one to put it in um so i'll ask i, I think i know the answer to this like who do you want to win or who do you think will win like I said, this is wide open. Weirdly, as you, I, you know, I love Olivia Coleman, um, and I think she is great in The Father. I, I, She's amazing. I thought I wouldn't think that she should have been nominated, but in the end, I, I get why she got nominated. She's probably who I'm rooting for least, only because she she just won an Oscar, yes. so I'd like to see one of these other. In the end, I'm rooting for Maria Bakalova. Um, I really did think she was great in that film. I think it would be a lot of fun to see her win. Uh, so that's what I'm rooting for. But then there's the Glenn Close of this. So, yeah, here's the thing I'll say. Here's my note on Glenn Close. Glenn, so Glenn Close has never won an Academy Award. And if you're sitting there going, what? No, yeah, she's never yeah. won an Academy Award. She should have won two years ago for the father, or not for the father, for the wife. Like that would have which been, would have been Olivia Coleman, which would have been which is one Olivia <laughs> Coleman. Olivia Coleman beat her. Um, you know, so and nothing against because I loved Olivia uh, Coleman in the favorite, but um, Glenn Close was incredible in the yeah. wife, and she really should have won. My feeling is this, and it is with nothing against Glenn Close, and not and as many people probably know who have watched the Oscars in year, years past, you know, oftentimes there is kind of the lifetime achievement aspect of people winning. It's kind of a tradition for the role they shouldn't have won for, um, and there are plenty of actors, and we could do a whole episode just about that alone. My feeling is this. I think Yoo Jung Yoon from Minari should win. She is incredible. No She's argument. the best part of that film. And I, and I say this, I love Steven Yoon's performance, so please understand mm. it's not a knock against his performance remotely, but she is incredible. Like, truly, truly a delight to watch and really incredible emotional performance, you know, and not in that, like, big Oscar moment way, but just really cool performances. So it's... It's really hard for me. Like, I, I, listen, Glenn Close certainly deserves an Oscar at some point in her life, but I just, if well, I'm picking, I think, I think we both agree. Glenn Close is really good at Hillbilly Elegy. Sure. Um, it, it's, it's not one of Glenn Close's best performances. Okay, it's not She's about got, her performance. It's a middling film. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a fine film. It's just not yeah, in the it, Academy Award. Would we, would we call it I think I enjoyed it more than you I think did. You did. Um, but I think the problem with this is you. I agree with you. If Glenn Close wins this, this is the Lifetime Achievement Award, which happens, which would be fine. And I, yeah, it's hard to argue. No, but. she's amazing, and she should get to have an Oscar. <laughs> and Amanda Seyfried is so good in Mank. Uh, I. She, I Fantastic! She, By far her best performance ever. She completely redeems Marion Davies as a as a personage in pop culture, and she should one hundred percent be awarded for this film. Like it's an incredible, incredible performance. Again, like, and I know it's not, it's probably sounds so weird because we're talking a lot about like how much we love Mank, but we're not picking it. I mean, honestly, I'd love to see Amanda Seyfried win. That would be incredible. Um, I think that'd be a really beautiful Oscars moment. The problem is, it's just. 
The performance from Minari exists, and and that's what makes this year kind of hard. Yeah, I think it's a cool category. Um, I'm excited for it. <sighs> so that all being said, Ryan, who do you think is going to win Best Supporting Actress? I have no idea. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! When I say it, mockery abounds. No, I really don't. I think in the end it goes to Glenn Close. I think she gets the Lifetime Achievement Oscar. Yeah. Um, but I'd love to see, again, Maria Bacalova. I could see this being a really split category year it's where a lot of love gets no divvied idea. up. No yeah, idea. I have no idea. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. Um, I think... I think there is a really good chance that Yoo Jung-yoon wins for Minari, and I think that would be a really cool moment. Um, I, th- I Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to pick that. Um, I think that performance has a good chance. So moving into actor in a supporting role. Um, so here we have Sasha Baron Cohen for The Trial of Chicago 7, uh, <laughs> Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah, Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami, uh, Paul Racy for Sound of Metal, and Lakeith Stanfield for Judas and the Black Messiah. So I'm going to throw it right to you. Um, you're going to hear a little bit of a complaint to, from me in a moment, but I want to know your, because I think you're going to be excited about this category. Oh yeah, and I know who I think should win yeah. and I feel 100% about it um, and it's Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah I want to see him win that um, he has an incredible performance my favorite performance in this category um, it, it, it's hard because if you're saying you know it's and, and this is the only thing I worry about come Oscars night I worry that the love for Judas and the Black Messiah could get split um, and that's how he could end up losing which would be upsetting to me um, but I love to see Daniel Kaluuya uh, win this um, in many ways I know you and I have had the conversation of like supporting actor versus lead actor in that particular film is really challenging um, because I think you think that like Keith Stanfield's the lead in the film you have to have a lead at least yeah. choose a I, yes I think Linkfield or Lakeith yeah like Keith Stanfield is it I have a big problem with both of them being nominated in this category because because, you know, this happened with The Favorite a couple of years ago, but this one's even worse because you took your two key people and you put them in supporting. What are they supporting if there's no lead actor? Like, they're both, you can't both be in supporting actors. Well, so I, I have know. a big problem. With and this that. issue came up with The Favorite with Olivia Coleman, Emma Stone, and Rachel Weiss of like, how do you determine who is the lead? But at least the there, they, they chose. They, they ended up going with Olivia Coleman. I, you and, and I disagree. We completely disagree that she was not the lead in the film. <laughs> but this is one where I, I just don't see it. And now I have a worry that that Daniel Kule could end up getting kind of hosed out of what should be his Oscar because that's going to split some of that vote. Yeah, I hope that's not the case. He deserves it. It's an incredible performance. Um, You know, his turn as Fred Hampton is just incredible and I think it should be awarded um and it's nothing against like I I love Leslie Odom Jr. in One Night in Miami um obviously as you can tell from earlier in the episode I think this film should have gotten a lot more attention than it's getting um which I'm sure we'll talk about the directing category um but I also thought there were several other members of the cast of One Night in Miami that also should have been nominated um yeah One Night in Miami was the hugest snub I mean there's I don't know if there's really another snub through this Oscar yeah to Five Bloods probably yeah Yeah, you're great you're right but so so it's, you know, it's just, it's one of those things, like, I, I, yeah, I 100% hope. Now, here's the thing. I think Sasha Baron Cohen is the best part of the trial of yes. Chicago 7. I will say that. I think his performance is the best in the film. Yeah. Um, I absolutely hate Paul Racy in Sound of Metal, which means he's doing his job well, because yeah. I hate his character. Um, I don't know if you're supposed to hate that character. But I did. But I get where you're coming from. And, and there was a moment that I, I feel what you're saying. I, To me, I don't know if that's... 
again, I, I look at this category and it's Daniel Kool-Aid's. I yeah. mean, there is no doubt. And uh, the only one I would make an argue for is I think Sasha Baron Cohen is so good in the trial of Chicago 7. I would love to see him win as well. I don't know if I could root for him, though, over Daniel Kool-Aid. I will be cheering if he wins, but I don't. Yeah, I. it's one of those unfortunate things where we've talked about the splitting thing. Because I think, like, Keith Stanfield does a great job in Judas and the Black Messiah. But, like... Daniel Kaluuya's performance is a whole nother level. Absolutely. And I just want to see Absolutely. this happen. I I, I want to see him awarded for this. He was incredible, incredible in Get Out. Like, I want, I want this to happen so badly on Oscars night. Like, to me, there is only one category, and we're going to get there, that I think is a lock for the entire evening, and deservedly so. To me, we shouldn't even be having this conversation. It should be, no, Daniel Kaluuya is going to win it, because that would be incredible, because <laughs> he's so amazing in it. Um, the Sasha Baron Cohen thing, it, it, I think he's a great actor. Like, I really do. I just, if you're going pound for pound performances, I don't think Sasha it's Baron Cohen. It is. It is. But I, I don't think it's of the same but level. But you're right. Him as Fred Hampton is just. It, it was. I loved every second he was on screen. Uh, he was great. Absolutely great. So, who do you think will win? I think in the end, I, I think Daniel Kule still wins. I, am I pronouncing it? Kaluuya. Kaluuya. Okay. Um, I know sometimes I, I run it a little together. Um, also, that's my, that's our northeastern <laughs> coming into play because we do we run our syllables together just by my natural. Ryan's take though. I do want to throw that in here. His SNL episode from a couple weeks ago, <gasps> so good. Meow. <laughs> Out of context, you're gonna think I've lost my mind. Oh my gosh, he had what he had that immediate turn as an SNL host where you're like, he is going to keep getting asked back because he was so funny in every skit. Like he, oh, he's won me over in the last couple weeks because I, you and I had talked about him and I wasn't. 100% sold, and I am all in now because between this and then the SNL performance, he's phenomenal. I can't wait to see the next thing he's in. Yeah. And I hope he, I, I do in the end, like I said, I, I think he does win. I, I you know, I, I don't know who else would beat him except for maybe, like, you know, Stanfield. Like, could well, he slip in there? I mean, a lot of people, it's not mine. I would be disappointed to see him win because it's, I'm not, I don't love his performance. I know, but I do love Lakeith Stanfield. I know you're a much bigger fan. Yeah. Um, well, and the Daniel Kaluuya thing I always think is interesting because I remember, like, when we would talk about, like, him as an actor, I think that came off of, like, in Black Panther, he definitely has that role where you're like, okay, during the sequel, that role's going to get developed more. Yes. So you get so little with him. And yes. I think that's why it was a little, like, well, like you know where where's kind of the chops here and that like but this performance it's just like you know anything he's in i'll want to see because it was incredible Mm -hmm. um so you're saying daniel kulay i think i will also say the same i think that's who will win and i think deservedly so um let's move into actress in a leading role so um nominated this year is viola davis in ma rainey's black bottom Andre Day in the United States versus Billie Holiday, Vanessa Kirby in Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand in Nomadland, and Carrie Mulligan in Promising Young Woman. Good category. It's a really good category. Uh, it's an interesting category. Again, I don't think anybody has it locked. Oh, well, I know one person that does not have well, it Well, I was just about to say, let's, let's get that out of the way. Um, and I will say, out of all of these categories we're talking about today, I have seen all of them but the film we're about to talk about, you have seen mm-hmm. all of them. So, yes. and that was Vanessa Kirby in Pieces of a Woman. Yeah, and um, no, 
Just no. I so it is a movie about it's incredibly, incredibly tragic. It is a woman who has um who gives birth and her child dies very shortly after. It is incredibly, incredibly tough to watch. Uh, but not in the way where I would go, yeah, that was tough, but worthwhile. It was tough and Honestly, is, I'm going to say it as harshly as I mean it, a waste of my time. Um, I did not love her performance. I liked Vanessa Kirby a lot in The Crown. Um, but I just, I did not connect with this performance. I And I don't, I, I honestly, I blame the filmmaker in this. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think just the choices that were made and how the story was unraveled did not give her a space to really shine. I think she has one really good scene that will 100% be played at the Oscars. And you'll see it, and you'll go, but Lauren, that's a great performance. <laughs> it's the only scene she's got in the film that I think highlights that in any way. Um, it's a, And it's a really, honestly, it's a very tough, and and, and I'm going to be very honest, really go into it cautiously, I would think in, incredibly, incredibly triggering for some. So you're saying, Vanessa Kirby, it's an honor just to be nominated. Not a shot in hell. <laughs> and it's actually why I checked out of it. The film had no interest to in me because it just felt like, I just didn't want to sit in that world for that long, um, you know, emotionally. Oh, it's got the marital stripes. And then I knew that Vanessa Kirby really didn't have a chance to win this, so I did decide to check out on that one. Um, so moving on then, now you got four great performances, really anybody's Don't game. Don't make me pay! Right? Give it to them all. Like, let's have a little bit of a Mean Girls moment at the end you, where they break, break the Oscar yes. and just toss it out to the audience. Don't say such sacrilegious things in this household. <laughs> you do not break an Oscar. You just give out four Oscars. Don't say if you break your Oscar, they have to come and fix it. They do. It's insured. Um, you can't sell it without selling it back to the Academy first for a dollar. <laughs> So you have to offer it to the Academy for the amount of $1, and then the Academy will give you $1 for the Oscars. That's why I can't find it every year on eBay that I'm trying to find to get you one. Oh, Lovebug, I completely believe you try and look for an Oscar <laughs> for me every year. Um, so this is an interesting category because I feel like if every day I change who I want to win, except I think in the past week I've gotten very solid about who I think should win this category. I know who that's going to be. Who is it? You're going to go carry Molly in. Nope. No, I did not see that coming. <laughs> so here's the thing. Um, That's who I'll be rooting for. To me, I am rooting for a tie between Carrie Mulligan and Viola Davis. <laughs> but here's the thing. So Viola Davis's performance in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is so incredible. Like, I... I, you can't take your eyes off of her. And the character of Ma Rainey, um, if you've read the play or if you've seen the movie, it is is a harsher, harder to love character in that um, she's harsh at times, but like reasonably so. And I think Viola Davis in, in just her acting prowess, you're just like never met. Even in the moments where I think she's supposed to be a little harder, you just, you can't help loving her. She's incredible. Um, and... You know, she anchors that movie in a really, really important way. And it's something that I'll probably talk about a little bit more later on. Um, but I just love her performance. Um, and I remember just being mesmerized. But I mean, that's kind of every Viola Davis performance. I'm just mesmerized when she's on screen because she just, she communicates so many layers. She has a scene in... Fences, which is also part of the Pittsburgh cycle of plays written by August Wilson, that breaks me into. Um, it's just, she's just incredible in everything she's in. Um, but Carrie Mulligan, oh my gosh, she's so great in Promising Young Woman. 
She's so incredible. And I know it probably sounds redundant. But it's, like, it's funny when you and I are like during this conversation are like, they were great. Yeah, they're nominated for an Academy Award. Well, of course they're great. But <laughs> well, no, I don't think I'm saying that about Vanessa Kirby, though. But like, <laughs> and here's the thing, like Frances McDormand in No My Land, it's again, it's a cre- incredible, very subtle performance. It honestly to me when I'm watching it, I just feel like I'm watching Frances McDormand. So like, um, so in terms of like Frances McDormand does a lot in a lot of really cool things with smirks and very silent moments in that film that I think are why she's deservedly nominated. Andra Day makes an incredible Billie Holiday in a movie that I don't think you and I believe is terribly well directed. Um, right. Yeah. It. I. I thought it. Um, muddled some of the story of Billie Holiday. She makes an incredible Billie Holiday and it's a really great performance. I think sometimes the reason I don't talk about it more glowingly is just because I wasn't a huge fan of the film and how they structured the story of Billie Holiday. Um, because this was, you know, so if you don't know the the story behind it is looking at uh, Billie Holiday performing the song Strange Fruit, which was a song that uh, brought attention and awareness uh, to lynchings um, and how the U.S. government essentially um, would set her up to get arrested on sometimes legitimate, but oftentimes because they were set up and sometimes trumped up drug charges because they didn't want her to perform strange fruit or the places that they would kick her out of, or, you know, essentially the many times that she was arrested for trying to sing a song that was bringing light to a very important issue. And I just felt like I wanted them to focus even more in that. Um, and it kind of pulled away at moments I didn't think it needed to. But that being said, Andre Day is incredible. Andre Day is incredible. Yes, it's the right word She's for it. incredible. Um, and you, when you watch, you be, like I, and not in that like mimicry way, like where sometimes like an actress or an actor plays a, like a historical figure and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, like, you know, like I, I don't think I'm the biggest fan of Gary Ullman's turn as Winston Churchill, but it's like, you know, he does the very Churchill thing. Yeah, it's like right. this, I'm like, it's not that I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm aware I'm watching Andre Day, but I also just feel like I'm watching Billie Holiday. Like it's a really really great performance from her. Like, I'd love to see her act another Do you thing. want to do your little drop on our Andre Day story? So one time, so we went to an event um, and we, we got to the event early. Shyamalan, we've talked about it on oh, this show. Oh, we have. So it was uh, M. Night Shyamalan's Halloween party and and we walked in early and we happened to be there at the beginning of or the ending of, like, what essentially was the pre-party, but they let they us in. They did a in. VIP party before. Yes. Like, a, a very high-end... It's a fundraising event. Yes, and it's, it was it's a, a fundraising for a children's charity. They did a VIP, uh, you know, kind of hour or two before it. And we were front at the door to get in for our session. And so happy we did, because... It's because they let us in early, which yeah. was really nice of them. Like, the people at the door were really sweet, and they let us in early. I just still don't exactly know why, because we're the two <laughs> biggest goobers in the world why would you let us in early to a vip event um and i was standing about i don't know a foot away from andre day belting up rise up yeah like i that's cool i could like again i could get so emotional just thinking about because her voice was so incredible and i was literally like i'm not exaggerating i was literally like a foot away from. oh yeah we just walked in and it's like oh we're like she is because i literally grabbed you and i was like that's andre Day. Yeah, because like, the, the VIP party, I, I think maybe it was like fifty people, maybe. Yeah, it's supposed to be like more. a more intimate concert. Yeah, and then she did this concert for them, and we got the last two or three songs. One of which was "Rise Up," and we ended up. Is just it walking. "And We Rise Up"? Is that the name of the song? I believe, yeah, "And We yeah, Rise yeah, Up." Yeah, but um, um, but yeah, going back to the show, or you know, the the Oscars. 
she's incredible. I agree with you. Um, Frances McDormand, you know, I, I would like to see her win for this more than I would have liked to see what she got her Oscar, you know, her last Oscar for, um, which was what was three, three billboards, billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Um, I think she's she's subtle but terrific. Um, and then yeah, I think Carrie Mulligan is just out of sight. Um, Viola Davis, I agree with you. She's a awesome performance in this. I think she doesn't win for two reasons. The next category we're about to talk about, and because I think they're going to give out the love to this film in that category, and I think because she just won an Oscar a couple of years ago. Which is stupid, because this movie should be up for Best Picture. kind of, you know, the love kind of gets spread out, and sometimes, unfortunately, great performances suffer because of that, and this would be one. Yeah. Although, I can't, again... Andre Day is incredible. I think Frances McDormand, Carrie Mulligan. Carrie Mulligan just does something she hasn't done before in this film. Yeah. And and really becomes this character and is just, wow. Yeah. And the thing is, I'll say this, but, like, you know, kind of that, like, how Oscar spreads the love. If you've heard us, like, talking about this, like, oftentimes, like, people will vote for, go, well, if I voted for a movie in this category, maybe I'll vote for this different movie in this category. So then, like, everybody kind of gets to be a part of the party. Like, um, Oscars doesn't love sweeps as much as it used to. Um, You know, that doesn't seem to be something that I think will happen a lot. Um, You know, especially considering they're going to, they're going to stack the best picture that from now on, starting next year, will always be 10 best picture nominees i'm great with that are Me you too. Oh, i love that yeah. i love that implementation of that rule um i'm but, actually gonna have something to say about that in another category in a second too. so i think it's interesting you know you say that about this because i will say like i thought ma rainey's black bottom was gonna be up for best picture i was very confused when it wasn't one mm-hmm. night in miami and ma rainey's black bottom not being up for best picture was very confusing to me i, I kind of thought those were locks but i'll ask so closing out this actress in a leading role category who do you think will win Andre I think Andre Day you wins think it. I think Andre Day won? I think she wins it. I'll be rooting for Carrie Mulligan, um, but happy with Andre Day, and I think she she takes it home. I also think Andre Day is going to win. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think, uh, two, I think sometimes it can be either really beneficial or really uh, work against the person if it's the only thing nominated for a film. Right, yeah. Because I think it can either be like, oh... It's that outstanding that yeah. nothing for the film got nominated, right. but this did. Yeah, and that happens a, a bunch. I mean, what was it? Uh, Marion Cotillard, I know. Yeah, for Lovey and yeah, Rose. So yeah, and that's how she takes home her Oscar. Mm-hmm. So, and, and God, Oscar loves a biopic. Yeah. I will not call it biopic, don't make me. Um, so with that, <laughs> we are going to talk about um, actor in a leading role, which to me, this conversation begins and ends with two words. And I don't know how much more we need to talk about it. Chadwick Boseman. And I and I will say it on the podcast and I've said it several times. And I've actually said it to my students, which is disturbing. <laughs> I will burn our house down if he doesn't win. <laughs> Please, Academy. We just moved in. <laughs> All of our stuff is up. Um, it's Chadwick Boseman. It's Chadwick Boseman. And for a thousand reasons, and all of them, every micro thing he does in that performance, I mean, it's, and and I really hate using this verbiage given the circumstance, like performance of a lifetime, like, and it's really hard, and that is going to be incredible, it's going to be an incredibly emotional moment um, at the Academy. I've had, so um, I have a student who painted me this beautiful portrait of Chadwick Boseman, because he knew such a fan of his work, he's painted me this beautiful portrait of him, Um, and I've had it. Um, that on my board with a countdown to this many days left until Chadwick Boseman is an Oscar winner. Um, I just can't, I can't see it any other way. And I see that role winning any year, any circumstance. Great. That performance is everything. Um, I can't, I 
you are 100% right. And that's the thing that you have to, if you haven't seen it, you have to just say to people, which is like, you know, the circumstances are so tragic. Yeah. But taking those aside, this performance deserves it. Yeah, and please understand, like, I know I'm being, you know, anyone who knows me knows I'm woefully hyperbolic with things, um, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but here, here's the thing. I think this is a performance that, like, when you watch it, it, like, lives inside of you and you think about there's this moment that, all I'll say, there's a moment that happens with a door and that's all you need to know. And and he may, he has this look on his face. He tell there, oh. The other one, when he tells the story about his mom, and oh, he just has yeah. that slight, like, twitch in his eye. I, everything I about this performance. I was mesmerized by him. I mean, and, and I, there's no way to get around kind of making a comparison, because it was our most recent one, but Heath Ledger, when he won for the Joker, and that performance, and, and we completely, at that time, he deserved it, and it was this type of performance in that, like, you could not take your eyes off of him during the film. 100%. Um, and that's how Chadwick, Bo- I mean, he is just, it broke my heart watching it legitimately because I think it just showed the amazing actor he was. And I think he's done that with all of his other performances, but this one was just a different level and what we could have gotten other performances. Yeah. It's just heartbreaking, but, but he needs to be rewarded and, 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 you know, with this. And he's an incredible voice of a generation. And I think in a lot of ways, like, I remember this this comment being made a lot in, in the wake of his passing of, like, we're only just starting to learn about how amazing Chadwick Boseman is. This is something we'll continue to learn. And and I think it's the way in which people tell stories about him, um, the you know, the legacy that he's going to leave behind even outside of, like, his, his acting performances. But, you know, anything you watch him in... He, he's the most incredible part of it. Like, it doesn't matter what you're watching. You just, your eyes go directly to him because there's just something about how he emotes that's so magnetic. It, it's impossible to not be completely entranced by his performances. And this is, you know, completely in line with that. Um, and yeah, it's going to be a really somber moment at the Oscars, but a really important moment too, because, you know, I, I remember you and I having conversations when Black Panther was nominated for Best Picture talking about Chadwick Boseman should be up for an award. Mm-hmm. And honestly, Michael B. Jordan should be up for supporting actor. I remember us having conversations yeah. about that, but knowing, unfortunately, it wasn't going to happen because it's a Marvel movie and yes that's me being negative towards the oscars like you know but this 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 has this has to win i just can't see it any other way and it is with no offense to the other performances it would be shocked and and it's not even like you don't even have another performance in here that that holds a candle to it and nothing against it because here's the two things i want to say about the other we've talked a lot about steven yin so uh, i don't think we need to to really rehash that um gary oldman is terrific as mank but it it, no at at the moment the two things i want to say though anthony hopkins in the father is phenomenal Interesting to note, he is the only actor this year in the categories that was nominated last year, too. I thought that was just interesting. Oh, that is interesting. Yeah, and out of all the acting categories, 11 of the people are first time, uh, which I thought which was is cool. pretty yeah. cool. Um, he, he does something... Again, I thought it was going to be very Anthony Hopkins, but he did something special with that role in The Father. Um, so I really want to highlight that. And Riz Ahmed first... Um, 
So he's the first Muslim, Muslim actor, actor to be nominated, nominated, which let that pour over you for a second. Yeah. Um, and which is, it's weird to still have these firsts, I'm saying, right. in 2021. Um, I, I cannot talk enough about that. You know, when we were talking about Sound of Metal, and, and I was going to, I'm not going to sit in this because we're long into the show. Um, and when I was trying, because I was going to, his performance is everything in that movie. He makes that film. I just can't wait to keep watching him as his career keeps going. And, yeah. and um, because that was just, I just cared so much about him. He's going to, he made me care so much about him. He's going to make a face at points that you're, it's going to, all right. So I'll just be very honest. We tried to watch this one night and we got to a scene about what? 20 minutes into 20 the movie. In. And he made a face and I went, I can't tonight. We need to turn this movie off. You got emotional. I yeah. got really sad. Yeah. I got really sad because his performance was really, it was hitting me in this, you know, and listen, you know, and we, it's not that dour of a it's film. It's not. That's I, that's actually what I was yeah. just about to explain. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's not a super sad movie. It's just a movie where you're watching some someone going through something that completely irrevocably changes their life and you feel like you are a part of that story like you're a best friend along for the ride going i hope my friend's just okay like that's what his performance does and even at that i'm saying that performance doesn't hold a candle to chadwick boseman's performance and that's what makes it such an incredible year a different year i'm rooting i'm I'm saying he needs to win this Um, oh yeah completely but in the end chadwick boseman hands down i don't think we need to i would say like really honestly the the riz ahmed and anthony hopkins comments you're making are incredibly astute because like anthony hopkins plays charming and terrifying and sad and and just really heart-wrenching all, all in one movie, um, and, and in the best way that Anthony Hopkins can. Like, and again, like another kind of very entrancing actor. And Riz Ahmed will, you know, kind of hit you in the feels in ways that you're not expecting. And that's the really cool thing about this. And I would say, like, if you've not seen Sound of Metal yet, like, watch Sound of Metal. It's a really, especially if you have like, any interest or love of music. Like, I think yeah. it, it can really hit you in a different way. So, but I think we both agree. Chadwick Boseman, Chadwick yeah, Boseman, right, right shocked on. if it wasn't yeah i really will i i will i will probably stare at the screen for like 15 minutes like with mouth agape if he doesn't win um so this takes us to our directing category um you know now we've talked about these films most of them one of them we haven't talked about Mm -hmm. um because it's not been nominated in any of the categories we were discussing um so this is a really interesting year so we have in the directing category um another round uh directed by thomas vinterberg mank directed by david fincher uh lee isaac chung uh director of minari chloe zhao director of nomadland and emerald finnell the director of promising young woman Really interesting directing year. And again, you could not have a more divergent yeah. set of stories. And a nicely diverse, um, you know, category this year. Yes. Uh, you know, and you know, certainly we, I know we talked a lot in the last episode, as you know, the, the history of the Oscars and representation is dicey at best. And that is probably a kind word to use for it. Um, you know, so this year you do, you have two females, um, which, you know, most years there's not even a, I mean, if you got one in, it'd be, they'd write five articles about it and pat themselves on the back for having quote unquote representation. So this year markedly looks different. 
three nominated before this year? Three total. In nominated before this year. 92 years. There have only been three women nominated so for Best Director. So we got two this year. Like, can you imagine the party we're having? Like, it's, and then and the reason, you know, and obviously I was very, very salty about Regina King not being nominated. I don't know if you can tell at this point in the episode. I loved One Night in Miami. Yeah. I was blatantly shocked and angry when her name wasn't said. Um, and also because I hadn't seen another round yet. So I was like, who's Thomas Vinterberg? I don't care. Like, um, you know, so, but, and that was definitively a really incredible directorial debut. I'd like to also highlight directorial debut. Um, and she does incredible things with making a very, which should be a claustrophobic hotel room feel very big and spacious and dynamic. Um, but that being said, let's talk about the directors that actually are nominated this year. Yeah, um, it's a good category. Um, the one thing I want to say before I forget it and before we get talking here, this is a category that they need to expand. It needs to be 10. Hundo percent. It, it, it's got to move it over. You got to. Academy, I listen to what this guy just said. <laughs> if you don't do 10, you got to at least open it up to seven or eight. Um, it, it's it's too small of a category. You're, you're now getting to eight, 10 films as of next year for best picture. So you're taking you're telling me half of those directors aren't, you yeah. know, um, you know, we've got 10 acting categories between the two. Um, you and I've talked about it. We don't think that they should split it to a female male, you know, category, well, but I, open it up. And I believe you should start getting more of representation that it deserves. You hope. You hope. You hope <laughs> that's what happens. That's a big thing I need to say right off the bat with that. No, and and listen, and part of that conversation you and I were having about splitting it is, uh, listen, I there's already a kind of a problem with the academy thinking about things in terms of like binary gender, which I think is already kind of a problem to begin with. And I think it's like no, it's just about like representation. It's about more. Yeah. And I do think. But even at that, it's it's just about good directors yeah. that are getting left out. Yes, that are getting left out like year after year where you're like, how, how are these directors being ignored? How are they not more part of the conversation? And it gets like really disheartening. And I completely agree with you. How can you justify 10 best pictures and say, but there are only five directors. Like in the other categories, I could kind of understand it because you start dividing on technical bounds, like boundaries. So it's like a film could be really great with makeup and hairstyling, but maybe not the sound design. Like that stuff starts to make sense to me. But like directing to... Yeah, I, I just yeah, you gotta open that up. Um, but that's that's our pitch yeah. to the academy. Um, as for this year, um, I like I have no problem with any of these directors being nominated. Um, <laughs> you can't see audience. My wife is making a face. I'm gonna guess. Are you coming at my boy? Or are you coming at at <laughs> Vinderberg? Because <laughs> I know you're coming at one of them. So here's the thing. All right, I love Mank. And I love David Fincher. David Fincher should always be nominated. <laughs> I just, I really like Regina King's One Night in Miami. <laughs> but see, this is where the Another Round comes in. I think we need to talk about that. Because, like you said, it's not up for any acting. It's not up for best film. Can I can I paint a scene about Another yeah. Round? So, okay, so Another Round um, is a Danish film. Uh, starring Mads Mikkelsen, um, who is everyone's favorite. He looks like a villain as soon as he walks into a room. Um, Mads Mikkelsen, and it's a story of four teachers, a, a, a gym teacher, a psychology teacher, a history teacher, and a music teacher who read a study that suggests that if you keep your blood alcohol level at 0.05 consistently throughout the day, that you'll leave a healthier, more confident, happier life. And a little more 
like kind of in tune to your day, right? Yeah, like, I, yeah. It's like this weird, like, like that'll help, almost like help your mental acuity yeah. if you if you keep this consistent blood alcohol level. So these like four teachers decide to embark on this project, and as you can imagine, to varying <laughs> degrees of success. Um, it is a movie that I felt really oppositional towards because I had not seen it um, before the nominations had come out. I, as I've said, I thought Regina King should be nominated. So it was like, who is this guy Thomas Vinterberg coming in and stealing that last spot? I can kind of understand everyone else, but this one I didn't understand until I watched the movie. And the problem is, is now I understand. Because it's really hard for me to make an argument that that did not deserve to be nominated for Best Director. Totally disagree. What?! Really liked the movie. Yeah. Was really surprised by the movie. Yeah. And I'm happy it got a nomination yeah. because I would have probably never seen it. Um, and I'm really happy. But Regina King for One Night in Miami way outdid this. So I didn't know if that was like my, like kind of my feelings about how much I love that film. I can probably name about three other films too that I think, you know, I didn't think the directing was so... Listen, I, there's a backstory with this, and we won't get into it on the show, but read up on it. That's that's tragic and really interesting yeah. um, about the director. So for him, I'm ex- I'm very happy he got this nomination. Um, but and again, it's a really good film. I just we're cutting it down to five directors. This is not one that I would have. Oh, that's put interesting. In there. I didn't see you saying that. And like, and here's the thing: as part of the reason why I wanted to be open to this film once we finally watched it was because I had like very harsh feelings about it going into it. So when we sat down to watch, I was like, I need to kind of open up my like head to this. And like, and maybe you're right. Maybe it's not necessarily about the directing. I thought it was a really interesting story, which the director wrote as a stage play first. Oh, interesting. So that's perhaps me. where I'm, I'm offering that credit. Um, and then additionally, I love Mad Smith. Nicholson's performance. Um, now you're not going to hear me again talking about it in the acting category because I think we've already covered yeah. why um, I wouldn't necessarily say that he needs to take one of those spots. However, it's a really interesting movie. It's weirdly life affirming <laughs> and also weirdly sad and like it, kind of like any Oscar movie. Like it's going to have its melancholy to it. It's got a. I think, and because I didn't know about it in advance, a very surprising ending sequence Mm. that I really appreciated. I think partially because I didn't know it was coming. So I think for me, it just got to be a happy... I know you knew it was going to be happening. Mm -hmm. Um, But it still hit. Still yeah, was good. I, I really love that end sequence. And it was a movie that kind of like, again, you know, like a lot of these films, um, sat with a little bit. I thought about it a lot today. I had the song that's from the final sequence. <laughs> it's also in the trailer, like stuck in my head. Kind of like that year when we had the... Um, the song Hero stuck in our head from the Boyhood trailer. Oh, yeah. And, like, now this is now stuck in my head this Oscar season. Um, Mine is uh, Paris Hilton. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Watch Promising Young Woman. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 you know, Thomas Vinterberg does a fine job. I think it's a really interesting story. Um, it was much better than I think I even anticipated it to be because, again, I was coming in Dukes up. Um, but, you know, I don't know if, that's the top spot in directing here. To me, it's to me, it's really there are two directors that I think it's their category to lose. Um, I just don't know if it's going to be awarded that way. Chloe Zhao and Emerald Fennell. Yeah, I mean that's to me. Old. It's it comes down to the two of them. It should be one of them. I mean, like, it's not. I mean, it's not shocking for both of us to say that, right? I mean, no, we're, we're talk- both <laughs> talking about those two movies yeah. from the time we talked about Best Picture. I would agree with you. I think it's Chloe Zhao's to lose. 
Yeah. Um, I'd be really happy if she won. Yeah. I've really enjoyed the more I've read about her and the perspective on this film. I really would love to see that This happens sometimes with films. Like, I had this with Gravity a couple years ago with Alfonso Cuaron, um, where I I end up rooting for sometimes the director over the film, necessarily. Mm, Yeah, I get And Chloe Zhao's the one for this. She, what she did with Nomadland, I would love to see it get rewarded for her directing before even the the best picture. Um, I, I think she did something really special with that movie. So if this splits, you would be really happy to see close out win for director and then promising a woman win for best picture. Yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'll be rooting. I mean, it, it's tough because it's like you're splitting hairs, right? Like Emerald Fennell, that's who I'd love to see. I mean, okay. And if I, you're listening to this and you didn't know this, she plays, um, <laughs> Oh god, uh why Camilla, Camilla Camilla Parker Bowles in The Crown. Yeah. That's Emerald Fennell. The director Emerald Fennell is Camilla <laughs> Parker Bowles in The Crown, and I don't know why I didn't know this, but sorry. Well, I like what she did with that movie with with Promising Young Woman again was she just went outside the box with trying to tell that story. She again didn't play down to the audience at all. Well, and it's not even I think about that. I think it's a she engaged the audience. Like yeah. it was you're, she's going to make you really lean into a story that's very hard to lean into. She's going to make you have to really um, be reflective about, you know, in terms of, you know, so if you don't know this about the film, it deals heavily with sexual assault. So again, like, a very, you know, obviously we talked about this as being a triggering topic. So if you don't know anything about the film, um, she, her perspective on how she handles this um, can, I think, make some people leave the theater, like, kind of fist pumping in the air going like, yes, that feels like vindication, that film. And some leaving going, oh God, I feel so uncomfortable about everything in life. Like it's a really, it's, it's kind of two reactions coming out of that film. Here's my spoiler light that I talked about that I don't know if we hit too much, but this is the thing I'll say about Promising a Woman. The back third of that film is divisive and at best. And I think that ultimately, although you and I think it's where some of its strength is in, I think it hurts the film, both in a directing and best picture category. But see, and that annoys me, because I've heard this, like, dialogue about this film. Um, I've read it in reviews. I've heard it in videos. I've, you know, people being like, oh, that ending. And, like, and again, I don't want to give anything away, so I'm, like, really going to speak in generalities here. It really bothers me, because I think... Yeah, it's jarring, and yeah, it's going to... It's going to displace where you think this film is supposed to end, but I think to all of the ends of what she's trying to argue with the film. So it's one of, it honestly really bothers me that people hone in on, oh, the ending was surprising. So what does that mean? Mm -hmm. It means that it did its job. Yeah, no, I... I, Sorry, I know that got a little aggressive towards the end. No, completely. Um, And we have to give a lot of credit to Lee Isaac Shaw. This movie feels so intimate. You feel like you're made to be a part of this family. Um, And I think if you're someone who really values those kind of like frontier stories of like families like having to set out and and the interesting thing and I know I referenced this earlier you know so it takes place in the 1980s you're not, you're not talking about the frontier they're in as I now know Arkansas <laughs> um, you know everyone gets confused about that section <laughs> when they're filling out their maps um but you know they're in Arkansas and and they have this land um and they have this house that's like kind of on a platform 
And it's about the desire for him to create something new for his family. He believes that this is going to be the future that he can create for them. And as we talked earlier, there's a lot of tension with that. But I think the thing that Lee Isaac Chung does so brilliantly as a director is he makes you feel a part of all of these spaces. He really draws you in. There's a, a section where you're at a chicken factory, like, and you feel like you're sitting there with them as the, as this process of, so it's like, I think it's called like chicken sexing. Like they have to check yeah. like the chicken sex and then like sort them. And you feel like you're there and then you feel like you're in their house. Um, it, it, it feels deeply personal in that way of um, you're being made to feel like you are a part. Not, I wouldn't even say necessarily a participant, but like a, a traveler on this journey with them. And it's something that like, you know, he does this really wonderful job. And we talked about the idea of like Americana earlier of, you know, filming kind of the process of growth and life and change um, in ways that are not like, hammering at home like you don't see like Steven Yeun like in the fields for like shot upon shot upon shot like it's done so precisely and in in a proportion that makes you understand that like yes this is the future he's building for his family but being in these family spaces is just as important as that journey and goal and and I think that is that intimacy that can make when you get to some of the more crescendo moments of the film later on can make them hurt even worse because of how the director has set you up for those moments. Yeah, he does a really terrific job of weaving a lot of story into a really subtle type film. Um, you know, there's, again, kind of like you said, it's it's about a family trying to create a farm, but there's so much going on there, and he does a really nice job of the whole through line with it. And and also, it's a beautifully shot film, oh, too. Oh, incredible. Yeah. So. It, it, well, and it makes you, because it, it, it reads with that, like, kind of glossy, nostalgic way we remember our childhood summers. Yeah. You know, like that, you know, just kind of like, Flies are just like dancing, and it almost right, looks like yeah. glitter. Not that they're annoying you and biting yeah, you. But it, no, like, there's just like and this... it's not. It, it, it's not sparkling, you know, by any no. means. But it's yeah. He it, it did a it really deserves to be in this conversation. Except I will say, I do think there's one part that I really appreciate that he made sure looks kind of enchanting, and that's the Minari patch. Oh yeah, down by the creek. Mm-hmm. There's no spoiler in this, but yeah. I think that's the one. The film's called Minari. Right, yes. <laughs> I think that is one space that he allows to be kind of almost enchanting. Almost yeah. like I think we're supposed to see it like through the eyes of like how the sun sees it. Like and and I think that's a really important thing. So yeah, Lee Isaac Chung, I mean like and that's that's what makes this year so incredible. And as for the David Fincher of it all, Ugh. I could do a whole episode about him, which we did a couple weeks ago when we did our seven episodes. Yeah. So I don't have to sit here. You guys know my fandom on that and and I do think that Mank he deserves this nomination for Mank. I just there's an argument to be made that maybe this year isn't I'll be cheering it so loud if he wins but at the same token I I think maybe there's other films this year I just hope I get to see him get his Oscar one time I think you will but I think it's going to be for something more Fincher-esque not to say that Mank isn't but it it isn't (laughs) it's kind of like how I say no that's the problem I think this is his Oscar film and I think his other films aren't Oscar, you know. Do you know? And and I think there are many films he deserved it from. Obviously, I would make the case that he should have won for The Curious Case of Benjamin Button because <laughs> I do love that movie. Which and he I was think, nominated for. Yeah, and that's a very Oscar movie. Yeah, um, that's true. It's fair. But I do. Th- I think it's coming. I think it's. There are certain directors that I think just chase that gold. Who gets it first, him or Nolan? Christopher Nolan. 
Ooh. Him. I think Fincher gets it first. I don't know. No. You know why? Because, wait, hold on. I'm going back and forth in my mind. (laughs) Because on one hand, I don't think Nolan's going to have that next film that gets the Academy all hot and bothered. Well, Nolan's going to have to change a little of... That's the thing. Fincher's films are all very different. They're very Fincher-esque. We talk about that. We use that a lot. But Nolan's films are starting to blend a little bit together. And the problem is Fincher like walks into the room with his finger in the air like double barrel style. <laughs> like, you know, like he's got a real fraught relationship <laughs> with Hollywood. I think that's a good moment for us to kind of finally get close this all out. So <laughs> this is our last category of the evening. <laughs> Best director who wins it. I think Chloe Zhao. Totally with you. Yeah. Um, it, it's, like I said, it's hers to lose. Um, I, I'm with you. And, and I think she deserves it. She did yeah. something remarkable with that film. And so as we come to the end here, I'm going to ask you a challenging question. Because we have just talked about several films in really glowing fashion for an hour and 20 minutes about this year's Thanks for Oscars. With us. <laughs> yes, thank you, those of you who still are here. So if someone is listening to the podcast, and they can only watch one of the nominated films, and it can be nominated in any category this year, what is the one film you tell someone to watch before Oscars night? Oh, man, that is so tough. So tough. Deliberately so. <laughs> Borat subsequent film. I hate you so much. <laughs> um, I, I, I want to say Promising Young Woman. I really do. I just know that it's not going to be for everybody. I, I I think I go with Sound of Metal. Really? I do. Oh, wow. It, it's, it, yeah, I think that that's a movie that, that's going to speak to a lot of people. I think people will really enjoy that film if they give it a chance. 100%. I think that's a good recommend. No. I don't think, I, I, yeah, I don't think that's misplaced at all. Yeah. What about you? Ah, jeez. Um, I asked the question and now I have to answer it. Um, Nomadland. Um, I really yeah. think, uh, so I want, I do think that there is a good possibility this is going to be best picture. Um, I do really believe it should be best director. So I just feel like this is one of those films that feels really appropriate for right now, even though it has nothing to do with the times we live in, if that makes sense. Um, I think it, it can work really well. I also think it's a film that can appeal to a lot of people because I think it was like self- Self-journey, self-discovery type stories work really well um, in a broad sense. But I don't know if people will approach this film because of how it's been marketed. Nothing against the marketing, but it's being marketed like an Oscars film. And I think you may go into it like I did thinking, this one's going to be sad. And then you watch it and you're like, this is super life affirming. It is. It's slow, but it's... But not... It's but, got a little bit for ev- something for everybody. I it doesn't, it like, inch along at a pace where you're in pain. Yeah. It's not that kind of slow. Like, that's the thing. I think it's actually really hard to pinpoint. You know, my other pick, obviously, would be Promising Young Woman. Um, but I'm going to say, if you can only watch one, watch Nomadland. And if you can sneak in a second, watch Promising Young Woman. Yeah, I'm going to say, on top of that, every film we talked about. Oh, gosh. Deserves to be watched. Y'all, watch Minari. There's not one film in this... All right, I'm going to say there's not one film in this mix that's a bad movie. All have their merits. Yeah, and they all have reasons to tune in. So, like, because here's the thing. Actually, 
I got the better answer for both of us. What? If you're going to watch one movie, watch One Night in Miami. Yeah! <laughs> that is the correct answer. Watch One Night in Miami so you can be mad along with me. All right. Final question for you. What? What takes it? Onward or Soul? It has to be soul. It's continuing that tradition in which increasingly Pixar films are making us all have existential crises. <laughs> so it's got to no, be soul. No spoilers this year for Disney? You think that's that no, takes it, right? No, come on. It's yeah. Disney. This has been fun. Yeah, this has been I fun. I don't know if the audience is still with us. If you are, we appreciate it deeply. But this has been a lot of fun to do with you. But hey, do us a favor if you can. Leave a review on our podcast. Hit that subscribe button so you can get notifications. Follow us on Instagram at HowCouldYouPodcast. On Twitter at HowCouldYouPod. You can always email suggestions at HowCouldYouPodcast at gmail.com. Please, do it for me. Do it for Ryan. Watch the Oscars this Sunday. I mean, what else do you have going on? And then you'll at least know what this episode was for. (laughs) Yeah, and until next time, see you down the road and enjoy the Odyssey. (laughs) 